Welcome to the show. We are sharing stories with solutions from people who have overcome adversity and healed their life. I am your host, Victoria Johnson, teacher training for the Heal Your Life Workshop Teacher and Heal Your Life Coach Training Program. You can learn more about me and the training at thetraining.ca. That's T-H-E training.ca. As Louise Hay always said, the point of power is in the present moment. So let's get started. Hello, listeners and viewers, and welcome back to another episode. We are so glad you're here. I have a very special guest with us today. His name is Udo Erasmus. He has been in Vogue, Huffington Post, Fox News, uh, both men's and women's health magazine, muscle and fitness magazine. Basically, he's been everywhere and, and everyone in this industry knows who he is. So I'm so excited to welcome you to the show. Welcome, Udo. I'm glad to be on. This is a lovely thing to do. Oh, thank you so much. Well, you know, as I was looking through your information, it was just incredible to me everything that you have accomplished. And uh, I'm going to start way back when, and let's go to your childhood and that you had this very compelling childhood where you had to overcome a lot of adversity. And then here's something that the viewers and listeners might not know. You went on to create this billion dollar product and industry from nothing but passion and hard work and have changed the lives of millions of people with what you've done. So whatever you'd like to share with us about that, I'd be happy to receive. Yeah, my beginning was pretty rough. I was in what is Poland now, was Germany then. So I was born in in 1942 during the Second World War and was on a farm. And I think my first two years were pretty comfortable on the farm, even though it was a stolen farm and it was a political thing. But I was a refugee kid at two and a half. And we were fleeing on horse-drawn hay wagons down dirt roads with the communists chasing us in tanks and trucks. And there was no military presence on these roads. And the allies were using us, the, us refugees as, as target practice. They were shooting at us from planes. And so my mother, you know, my mother took off. She had six kids with her, six years and under. And she decided that going through the fields, it was winter too, going through the fields was safer than staying on the road because there were dead horses and dead wagons in the ditches and dead people. And so she took two of the four of the six kids she had, because she had only has two hands and she's going by foot. And she took the two oldest, the oldest boy and the oldest girl, and left the rest of us at a farm, basically with the notion that maybe she would never see us again. So can you imagine a mother having to make that decision? Oh, I can't. Unbelievable. So I got left behind. The farmer took us back to Berlin to an, a relative. The relative had left already. So I ended up in an orphanage and then we got put on a train to go to Switzerland. And eventually my mother's sister went back behind enemy lines and and hauled us out. And so we got reunited. So that was good. But I don't remember much other than I couldn't trust anything. I didn't feel safe. Uh, Bullets were flying. People were freaking out. And And it was really chaotic. So I became, I was very shy. I was very withdrawn. War trauma, you'd have to call it war trauma, I think. But I didn't get physically hurt, although I did get rickets because of vitamin D deficiency. And so we were, we ended up in Germany after the war. And I listened to adults argue about really stupid things. I thought they were just like so trivial. I was six years old. If it's trivial at six, probably really trivial. (laughs) And I thought, man, there must be a way that people can live in harmony. And then this little idea came and I'm going to find out how. 
being six years old and not knowing how complicated everything is, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to find out how people can live in harmony. And that's been my driver all my life. When it came to studying, I went to into science to find out how things work because I, I didn't know what I could rely on. And science, you know, knowing how things work gives you a certain amount of control and predictability. Mm-hmm. And that was really helpful to me. Then I went into biosciences because I wanted to understand how creatures work. Then I went into psychology because I wanted to understand how thinking works. Then I went into medicine because I wanted to understand how health works. But medicine is about disease. We didn't get taught anything about health. And I asked the dean, what is health? He said, we don't know. We're working on it. But they're not working on it. They're studying disease. If you want to know what health is, you have to study health. So I went back into biochemistry and genetics and then left university because there was still something missing. And I realized I'm not going to find it at university and eventually got into self-knowledge because I actually, (laughs) and it took me till 30 years to get that far because I actually realized that actually I need to know how I work. Is that's more important than yes. all the other stuff? Because Absolutely. if I don't know who I am, then then it's like, well, what am I good for? Right? I don't know. Right? So that's a short story of of where I started. Well, one thing that I really, first of all, let me just say what an overcomer you are, and that you chose to look for the solutions even after your very rough childhood to be positive and be looking for those solutions. I want to ask you a question. Sometimes sometimes when the pain is when the pain is intense enough, solution is what you get focused on. So it's like, you know, this is not okay. I feel it. So you can't say I don't feel it. You don't can't ignore it or deny it or explain it away or blame it on somebody or distract yourself from it. I couldn't distract myself from it. So I said, okay, there's this thing going, I don't know what it is. I need to find something. And so I was always looking for, you know, I had a lot of anxiety. I was very, very shy. I've read lots of books because books are safe. So I was very interested in learning. But but literally, the, it's just like hunger makes food relevant when your heart aches. That makes peace relevant. That makes self-knowledge relevant. Absolutely. It, I could... I could see how that even mind-body connection ties in there, where when you are not dealing with what's happening on a mental level, that it would be physically manifesting something negative within your body. For sure. And for me, it was heartache. My heart ached for 17 years before I found what the solution was. Oh my. Well, tell us about that solution. Tell us about that part of the journey. Well, when I was 17, I was at university. Mm -hmm. My heart ached. You know, there's like a, an uncomfortable feeling. There was nothing physically wrong with me, but my heart ached. There was something missing. And I couldn't distract myself from it because I had already seen enough to know that whatever, I just like, it's, no, that's not going to work. No, I already know that. When rich people are really rich, that doesn't make them happy. I had already seen all that. But it's like, well, what does and what is this? And people would say, don't, don't think about it it'll just drive you crazy. Or they'd say, why can't you just get a job like your brother or, you know, things like that. So I was like the black sheep because I was going around. I was like, and I was looking everywhere. And one day, and so that was, it started at 17. And then it took till 30 and trying everything. I mean, I did drugs and I did traveling and I lived in the woods and I had all kinds of blue collar jobs because I wanted to know what it felt like to be in those jobs. So I did a lot of different things. And some of them were, mainstream. And when mainstream didn't work, then it got less mainstream, got a little more fringy, right? And more unique, untried, iffy, maybe dangerous even, right? And when I was 30, a kid told me, you know, the peace that you search for in the world is within you. Mm -hmm. I can show you how to connect to that. And I didn't think he could because I was 30 and he was 14. 
And so my thought was, well, what's a 14 going to teach me? I'm 30 and I've been around because I had done a lot of stuff. But then I thought, well, you know, peace is important because I was preoccupied with it because I came out of the war. So I said, well, I don't think he can, but just in case he can, I wouldn't want to miss it. And if he can't, I'll just keep looking. And so he then explained what he does, showed me a method for bringing my awareness inside. And I came later to know that when your heart aches, it's not about what you lost on the outside. It's actually a call back to the loss of yourself that began when you were born. Mm -hmm. You didn't have have heartache in your mother's womb because everything was taken care of, no place to go, nothing to do, safe, relatively, you know, and so you were just hanging out in this little, I call it the Buddha tank, right? You're hanging out in the Buddha tank and your awareness is inside, in its source, inside. And in that is where your peace lives. And that's where your unconditional love lives. And that's where your inspiration comes from. So you're living in this little tank in bliss. You're not talking to anybody. you got no words, right? You know nothing about the world, but you're fully present in your own being. And then you get out into the world and now you have, everything's changed. It's not safe anymore. You get cold, you get hot, you get hungry, you get need a diaper change. And so you have to get to know the world to get your needs serviced. Mm-hmm. Then you have to learn language because you can't just wail every time something is uncomfortable. You got to express yourself, right. and use your words, right? That's what they say. Use your words, right? You go, <laughs> I can't understand what you're saying. Use your words. And then you learn to use the words. And in that process of getting to know the world, your awareness gets disconnected from the bliss inside and goes out to the surfaces of things in the world and the concepts about them. And so you, you've come from inside present, outside absence. Now you're outside present, inside absence. That's where heartache began. It wasn't trauma that made it begin, unless you say, well, trauma was entering the world, mm-hmm. right? And then the going out is automatic because it's required for survival. You have to assess very quickly, is this friend, is this foe, or is this irrelevant? And then act accordingly. So you have to do that very quickly. So we get really good at doing that. But going back, there's nothing inside that changes that you then attract, that then attracts your attention and say, hey, you got to come over here. No, it's really calm in there. So your awareness is not drawn into yourself. You have to do that deliberately. And that's why heartache exists, because that's as close as you get to coming home. And then instead of trying to avoid the heartache, you need to sit with it, because In that heartache, in the core of that heartache, or in behind that heartache, less than a hair's breadth behind it, is the peace that deep down you're looking for, is the wholeness, the fulfillment, the contentment, the unconditional love that life has for your body. They're all inside of you without conditions. So you don't have to follow a formula to get there other than bringing your awareness home. So is that what you would consider blocking joy when we don't bring our awareness home? Well, what blocks, if you use the biblical story, there's an angel with a flaming sword. We got kicked out of Eden, right? And there's an angel with a flaming sword at the gate. And to get back into Eden, you have to go through the angel with the flaming sword. But what is that? That's heartache. Mm -hmm. That's heartache. Uh, And most people, because when they feel heartache, they'll do one of five things. They'll either distract themselves from it, you know, take a cold shower or go and watch a movie or read a book or have sex or go on an adventure or come up with this incredible project that when you succeed in that project, you feel whole again. Everything we do is driven by this discontent. 
Because right. looking because the driving force is to find contentment again. Even Adler, the psychologist Adler, he says the innermost striving of every human being is to move from a felt minus to a felt plus, a striving for perfection, a striving for godlikeness. And he knew that in 1922. It's like, wow. <laughs> so he didn't figure out how to what to do with it. He he said social interest or interest in the, or community, basically, or belonging to groups. But you can't really do well belonging to groups if you don't belong to life, if you don't belong to yourself. So yeah, when you say, is that the block? Is that the block? Yeah, kind of. But the block is, but it's also the, the attractor. If you understood that this is your greatest gift other than being alive, because it's your call home. And if you didn't have a call to come home, then you'd never find your way home. Just like mm-hmm. if you never got hungry, you would you f- would forget to eat until you, <laughs> you until the, the wind blew you away. <laughs> right? <laughs> yes. So just like thirst is a gift because it makes water make sense. Yes. And this is the ache of the heart makes peace, makes self-knowledge make sense. But most people don't know that because it's not explained to us that way. Well, I think so often we look for that peace and healing outside of ourselves. And we, like you said, when I get the job, when I write the book, when I marry the man, when I lose the weight, you know, then instead of going inwards for now. And I believe, and I'd be interested to hear your beliefs that God creator, universe, source energy, whatever we want to call it, lives within us. And that's where we find it within. It's not an outside source that we have to be good enough to participate with. Right. Well, there's two answers to that. One is, well, if God is everywhere, God's also also got to be inside. It's not like God is everywhere except inside. (laughs) I love that. That's very clean and simple. Yeah. And then the second one is, Well, when you feel peace or you feel joy or you feel happy or you feel depressed or you feel whatever you feel, you always feel it inside. There's no feeling that you have that's pasted against the wall, right? Yes. So so whatever it is, so when we're looking for peace, then it has to be inside if we are to feel it. Oh. You can't have have an external peace that's real, you know, but we've defined it that way. When the shooting stopped, that's peace. No, it's not. That's a ceasefire. People hate each other as much or more than they did when they were when they were shooting at each other. That's mm-hmm. not peace. Peace is the core essence, the universal essence of our being. When we find our way home inside to it, then first of all, we recognize it because we spent nine months in that place. Mm-hmm. So this is not a strange experience. We are all yogis. We, we spent nine months in yoga. Perfect <laughs> yoga, right? So sitting completely still, more or less, it's floating around, you know, but very quiet inside. So this is, a not, is not a new experience. But what we need is we need to practice bringing it back, practice bringing it, bring it, bring it, bring it, bring it. So we're as good. So we get as good bringing it in as we are going out. And going yes. out is automatic, like I said before, but coming in has to be deliberate. It's quiet there. Yes. Before we started recording, you shared with me that you're 79 years old, feeling better than ever, always on the lookout for what's next, but not from a place of longing, but from a place of excitement. Yeah, yeah, from a from a place of fulfillment. From yes, it's because because I know the road home. You Mm -hmm. know, when you know the road home, then if you're not at home and you feel like you want to be home, then you could take the road home. So every time, so I got to a point where it was like, okay, I know where to go to feel fulfilled. Now I'm fulfilled. I'm good. 
it doesn't have to be about me anymore. And then my whole orient, orientation changed to what can I do that'll get me taken care of to, mm-hmm. okay, I'm taken care of. And if I don't feel taken care of, I know where to go to feel taken care of because it's inside me. I've seen it. I know it. I know where to go. Yes. Okay. That being the case, what's left to do? Oh, there's nothing else left to do except to help. I'm de- it's not about me anymore. I'm okay, right? I'm taken care of. So where can I help? What needs to be done? And where can I make the biggest splash for good? Yes. I and can you know- in one body and one lifetime. And the drive now is not, how do I fill the hole? The drive now is, I have peace. Where can I shine it? Where can I shine it? Right? I love and- that what you do is always expanding. So... So not only through your words and when you're on podcasts and so on and and helping people this way or one-on-one helping people, but also through the products that you've created and the books that you've written. I think if I have this right, your latest book is Total Sexy Health. Yeah, the book on Total Sexy Health, the eight key parts designed by nature because everything affects health. So you have to give everything its due. And when you get out of line with parts, any one of the eight parts, you lose some of your sexy. Mm-hmm. You get back in line, you get it back. That's the yes. <laughs> well, that just makes absolutely sense. You know, the essence of of who we are, and and we want everything that every part of us to be shining through. I do want to mention to the viewers and to the listeners that in the show notes, I'm going to have a link for you. Udo has offered you a free gift. I love the title of this. Uh, it's your body needs an oil change book and videos. So be sure to check that out. Your body needs an oil change in the show notes. I'm going to backtrack a little bit there. I just wanted to share that with the listeners. Let's talk about this pesticide poisoning that, first of all, sent you on this path that really has changed the world with this, like I said, billion-dollar product and industry. I want to show you something. For the listeners, I'll explain this in a moment, but for the viewers, you'll get this. When I mentioned to my husband that I was having you on my podcast today, he went into his closet and he got me this. Can you see? Oh, no. It's my Udo oil hat. Oil, oil, oil the machine. Yeah, that was a that was a program, a, a marketing program. We called it Oil the Machine. Yes. It turned out it was kind of uh, targeted at athletes, but it turned mm-hmm. out that uh, most women don't think of their body as a machine. So it wasn't very popular with women. But well, I, it's I, the guys kind of liked it, you know. The guys, like, yeah, I'm a machine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I love the hat, and it will be my new favorite. Um, <laughs> so let's backtrack a, a bit now to where this all got started. With uh, you know, this uh, event in your life that was the pesticide poisoning. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I got married and eventually got to start practicing, and so that that's a practice I've been doing now almost for fifty years. And then I got married. And uh, we had three kids and the marriage ended and I was very upset. See, just because I do a peace practice doesn't, <laughs> doesn't mean I, I never get upset. I'm a work in progress like everybody. I was really upset. And honestly, I was so upset I wanted to kill something. So I took a full-time time job as a pesticide sprayer because the only reason we make pesticide is to kill things. Mm-hmm. So I got to kill things for a living, right? And it was, I mean, it was that stupid. And I was really careless. I walked barefoot over the lawns I'd sprayed after I'd sprayed them, sprayed them till the skin peeled off the bottom of my feet. And I said, okay, well, this is not good. (laughs) Then I wore rubber boots. But it was a summer job. I I did it in a bathing suit. The wind would drift the spray on my back. And after three years of doing it very carelessly, I got poisoned. Went to the doctor, said, what do you have for pesticide poisoning? And she had the perfect answer. 
nothing. Mm-hmm. And that day, that day, the penny dropped. Oh my God, my health is my responsibility. And I kind of knew it. And I wasn't a really a junk food person, but said, you know, it goes a lot deeper, like health, self-health healthcare or responsible self-help healthcare is goes a lot deeper than yeah, just don't eat sugar and don't fry your foods, right? Mm-hmm. It goes a lot deeper than that because you're talking about the eight parts again, awareness, life energy, inspiration, physical body, survival smarts, social group, environment, and big picture. Those are the eight parts. Well, all of them affect health and all of them need their due. But at that time, I was just thinking about the body because my body was poison. Mm-hmm. And so I, because I had the background from biochemistry and genetics, I went into the research to find out how I could raise my standard for nutrition because your entire body is made out of food plus water and air. But I was just thinking food at the time. And if you get sick, you don't like the shape your body is in, then if you raise your standards within one year, 98% of the atoms in your body will have been replaced to a higher standard. So that's why healing is possible because the body's always turning over. The body is a major construction site always turning over. We don't notice it because it's so subtle and it's done so elegantly by life that we don't notice it. But if I talk to you next year, I'm talking to a 98% completely different person. Wow. You'll still, you'll still have your ideas. You may Mm -hmm. still have, maybe you, maybe you have some crazy ideas and you might still have those crazy ideas. They stay stable, even though the entire foundation they've been built on has been removed and replaced. Right. For all of us. I mean, I'm not talking about your crazy, yes, yes, yes. my crazy idea too, right? Everybody's <laughs> crazy. So your personality stays relatively stable, even though the entire edifice has been removed and replaced. It's like, wow, in seven years, everything's been replaced. And some things are replaced every four days, like the lining of your digestive tract is, turns over every four days. Your livers every six weeks, because these are very active tissue. There's a lot going on. So they wear out. And the whole time your life is removing, replacing, and keeping you pretty stable, although not perfectly because it's uh, physical is not perfect. So you age, you age, and that's why you eventually check it. If you so, raise the standard, the higher you set the standard, the more you're giving life the essential building blocks to construct a body to a higher level of function. Yes, that makes perfect sense. So when you got this pesticide poisoning, you had this opportunity for healing because of renewal within the body. And and then you added things, correct? No. So so then I went into, I knew that. So I started looking at everything, health and nutrition, disease and nutrition. And I ended up stuck on oils because oils, Mm -hmm. it turns out, have two essential fatty acids. When I got poisoned in 1980, only one was known and the other was established the year after I got poisoned, which was really good timing for getting poisoned. If I was going to talk, work with oils, omega-3 was established mm-hmm. essential in 1981. And so, but they are the most sensitive of all of our essential nutrients. They have the most energy. They're high energy molecules, especially omega-3, which is five times higher energy than omega-6, which is the other essential fatty acid that we can't make and that we got to bring in from outside. And then I found out how much damage is done to oils. These are the most sensitive. They need the most care. We give them the least care. You know, we throw them in the frying pan. The industry, when it makes them, does a very sloppy job 
and then uses more chemistry to clean them up and does damage to the oil. And in the usual cooking oils, they're 1% damaged, 1%. And it's like, okay, well, that doesn't sound like much. And that's what the guy at the Oil Chemist Society told me. I asked him, why do you use this process when you know that it does damage to the oils? He said, well, one reason is because when we heat these oils to frying temperature, we can blow off 50% of the pesticides in the oil. And I'd been poisoned by pesticides. So my thought, I didn't say it, but my thought was, what do you mean the other 50% of pesticides stay in the oil? You know what I mean? I'm using oils with pesticides in them. It never occurred to me. Never learned it in university. Nobody ever talked about the damage, the processing, all of that stuff. And I was like, oh my God. And then, and that's what, so that's what I was thinking. So then I said to him, well, why don't you start with organically grown seeds? And Mm -hmm. I don't think he'd ever heard that question before. So he was really silent for like a long time. And I waited on the phone. He was in Chicago. I was in Vancouver. And then when he got back on the phone, he was really angry. He said, I don't know what your problem is. The oil is only 1% damaged. It's 99% good. And if you got 99% on an exam, you'd be damn happy, wouldn't you? So now I'm back enough. I see how maybe I'm overreacting. But I wasn't impressed with his 100% because with his 99% because I used to get 100% in my genetics exam because I was... (laughs) In love with the topic, right? Then I decided to do the math and found out that if you have a tablespoon of an oil that is treated with Drano, window washing acid, bleached, and then heated to frying temperature, deodorized, that's what's done to all the colorless, odorless, tasteless oils in plastic bottles on the shelves. You end up getting 60 quintillion damaged molecules. Oh my goodness. Yeah. How much is that? More than a million damaged molecules for every one of your body's 60 trillion cells in one tablespoon. Most people use two to four. And then we throw them in the frying pan. You have to multiply that by another three to six times because in the frying pan, you're wrecking oils by Mm -hmm. light, heat, and oxygen all at the same time. And I just, the thought came to me, oh my God, I can't get healthy on oils like that. And then this little stupid thing in me, you know, that said, I'm going to find out how. This time it says, we should make it with alzheimer I'm going to do it because I knew what the issues were. I wrote a book about it. Uh, and so I conceptualized how, how tight the system would have to be to let no oxygen, heat, or high or light get in touch with the oil from the time it's in the seed where it's well protected to the time and it's a brown glass bottle in a box to cut out the light, no plastic mm-hmm. in the oil, in a fridge. And nobody mm-hmm. was refrigerating oils in those days. So it was a r- really different thing to do. And the idea was, let's give them the care they need at the front end so that they retain their benefits at the back end. And the, the industry was messing them up at the front end and then try to clean them up with a chemical feast at the back end. I said, well, why don't we start with organically grown seeds? That takes care of that problem. And then just make them with care, make them with health in mind, protect them through the pressing, the filtering, the settling, the filling, and then nitrogen flush them, that's standard, and keep them in, in dark so no light gets to them, and keep them in the fridge because the colder it is, the longer it lasts. And so we started that. And because omega-3s were established as essential in 1981, just when I was thinking about all this stuff, and they're five times more sensitive than anything else, we decided to start with flaxseed oil because I found out 99% of the population does not get enough omega-3s for optimum health. Every cell needs them. 
They're essential, means you can't make them, you have to bring them in. They're required for health and for life. If you don't get enough long enough, you die. If you bring them back before you die, everything that comes from not getting enough is reversed. That's what essential means when we talk about nutrients. This was 1981. Omega-3 was established as essential. And then when I realized they're a nightmare to work with, every cell needs them, almost nobody gets enough, I went off like a firecracker. And this was actually, this is one, it was one of my cures from my crazy life because it's like, oh my God, if we could bring them back, if we could make them with health in mind and bring them back to the people who are not getting enough, there must be tons of symptoms that will improve. And oh my God, we could help almost everybody. I mean, I lit like a, lit up like a firecracker. And it was, and I had no business background. I had good background in science, but no business background. And I had never done a, a business before. I did not come from a business family, but I got inspired. I got inspired. Oh my God, we could help so many people. Yeah. And it was, it was that enthusiasm that happened at the prospect of being able to help so many people that drove that project. And I made business decisions every day. And I had some people, of course, I was enthusiastic. I had written the book and people wanted, some people wanted to work with me. They liked the energy. People, people like enthusiastic energy, right? That's mm -hmm. why people follow crazy people too sometimes, as long <laughs> as they're enthusiastic, right? And uh, because we're all looking for that enthusiasm in our life. And if you don't see, if we can't find it on the inside by doing an inner practice, then we're going to follow somebody on the outside who's for, for some reason is in touch with that. And sometimes we're not very discriminating about what their goals are. Mm -hmm. and, and that's a problem. So anyway, so then we just went out and we did it. We went out in a van in 1988, a van without air conditioning in the hottest months of the year in the United States. So it was July and August and half of June and half of September. No air conditioning. Our clothes were on a broomstick inside the double doors. Every three days when we'd get really sticky and yucky, we would walk into a Marriott hotel like we owned it. And we would go where the showers were and the workout rooms were. Or if they had a pool, we'd go for a swim in the pool. Then we would take a shower. Then we would wash our clothes in the shower and <laughs> wring them out and then go back into our van and, and keep going. So we did that for 101 days. What a story. 35 states, 17,000 miles by road, 85 cities. And I slept on the floor of the van between the steering wheel and the back. And my driver had done, uh, made a, a bunk bed across the back. And then we would go out. I would tell the story because I, I had the enthusiasm. And then if, if people wanted to do business with us, by our terms, we said very clear terms about how we want to care for the oil. Then, we would, uh, then I would pass them over to him and he was the deals maker. I was the educator and he was the deals maker. When I would uh, interview people who wanted to work with us because we created quite a buzz or this whole thing created quite a buzz. And so everybody wanted to work with us. And so I would do these two question interviews. First one was, these are people who wanted to distribute it, right? Do you have refrigeration in your storage? If they said yes, I would give them to Reese who would then see how if they could work together on, on the financial stuff. Right? And if they said no, then my second question was, are you willing to bring it in? If they said yes, I would say, tell us when you have it. And if they said no, I would say, this is a good time to end the interview. Wow. So we literally would not work with people who were not willing to take care of our precious oil. And we set a very high standard. 
And it turns out, I mean, we didn't know it then, but it turns out that more health problems come from damaged oils than any other part of nutrition. Mm -hmm. Because they're so sensitive, they become very toxic when you damage them. And more health benefits come from raising the standard of the oils to oils made with health in mind and containing omega-3s that are missing and bringing in omega-6s that aren't damaged by processing than any other part of nutrition. But I didn't know that then, but that's how it turns out. So the people who are listening are probably thinking, oh my gosh, I need these oils. I need to replace what I have. I feel like I'm learning more about how to care for them and the importance of them and the importance of them for my health. And where do I find them? I think they're in health food stores like I know throughout Canada and the United States. What about the rest of the world? We're in about 40 countries, but let me tell you that story because it's- Yes, please. I'm on the edge of my seat. so So what we did is we worked with flaxseed oil. Why flaxseed oil? Because flaxseed oil has more omega-3s than any other oil that is easily available. And it's also quite cost effective. So we started with flaxseed oil. And because we said, if we can actually make oils with health in mind, like if our system works, then we want to prove it on omega-3s because they're the ones who are most sensitive. And if we can make flaxseed oil with health in mind, undamaged by this method, then any other oil we would ever want to make would be a piece of cake because we would be testing our method, which had not been, nobody was doing it and it had not been invented and had not been practiced. And so there was no, you know, is this really going to, you know, sometimes you have a really cool concept and then when you put it in practice, you, you overlooked something and it was re- it's a really garbage concept. So yeah. we didn't know. So we started with flaxseed oil. It turns out that flaxseed oil, that became a, a billion dollar a year industry, but it turns out that flaxseed oil is not well balanced because it has too much omega-3. The only oil that can make you omega-6 deficient. And how do I know that? It's because the guys I worked with, they started saying, oh, flaxseed oil is the best source of both essential fatty acids. And I didn't think that was true, but I didn't have proof. I did an experiment on myself. I got rid of all my oils in my diet except for flaxseed oil. And within three months, I had dry eyes, skipped heartbeats, arthritis-like pain in my finger joints and thin papery skin, classic omega-6 deficiency symptoms. And so I fixed it by eating sunflower seeds, which have a lot of omega-6s, but no omega-3s. But what came out of that is, you know, we need to balance omega-3 and 6 better. And so I then developed a blend that's called Udo's oil. And I also went from plastic into glass, because at the beginning, we didn't know that plastic leaches into oil faster than into water but you won't mm-hmm. taste it because the chemistry is similar, oil and plastic. So right. in, when that goes in your body, it also increases in inflammation and is procarcinogenic. And the same thing is true for fried foods and fried oils. If you fry foods or burn foods, whether it's protein or starch or fat, you increase inflammation and you increase the risk of cancer. Each one of those independent of the other two. And that's because they're damaged because you're, you're, you're in the process of turning food into smoke, right? You know, when you turn food into smoke, you've changed the chemistry, right? Obviously. And then, and then there's research that says when cooks who spent eight months in front of the frying pan, they get four times more lung cancer than hmm. normal people who, who spend only two, two hours in front of the frying pan. Because yeah, breathing in, they're breathing in damaged oil fumes. Well, we don't want to talk about my cooking skills right now, because let me tell you, I have breathed in a lot of smoke fumes. 
yeah. but I'm working on that cooking. But, but, but the point is, the point is, everybody's does it. And yeah. I say to them, you know, frying is the, the stupidest thing we've ever invented to do to our food from a health perspective. And to take the frying pan out wherever it is, turn it upside down, hit themselves on the head with it really hard so it's associated with pain and then throw it out and go back to cooking in water and adding good oils afterwards for flavor enhancement and for better absorption of oil-soluble nutrients. But the thing is, everybody's frying. I mean, it doesn't matter where you go. Asia, Asia, Europe, North America, everybody fries. But it's important. That's where we're starting. But we need to go in a direction. The direction was life's mandate for every creature in nature on this planet, fresh, whole, raw, organic. That's the mandate. That's life's mandate. Fresh, whole, raw, organic. Yeah. And for human beings, mostly Mm plant-based. That's head in that direction. Every step you take from fried fried foods in the direction of fresh, whole, raw, organic, mostly plant-based, you will get a benefit in health and longevity. And every step you take away from fresh, whole, raw, organic, and mostly plant-based, you will lose something in longevity and health. Mm-hmm. So I'm not, you know, so I'm not saying, oh, bad, 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 bad. You know, you got to start where you are. Yeah. But set yeah. a goal. You know, set a goal. What is the standard? The highest standard? Fresh, whole, raw, organic. What is the yeah. highest standard for oils? Well, we set that standard with Udo's oil. You know, you want to have a better life? You have to set a higher standard. You want to have peace in your life? You need to set that standard. I want God's yeah. peace. I want God's peace, and not as a bunch of words. I want to feel it. And then Someone, when you set the standard and commit to that, then your whole body organizes itself around you attaining that standard. It's really cool. Absolutely, and you know, I love that you're bringing and have for many years brought awareness to both sides of that. Mm-hmm. Because you know, when we know better, we do better. Just an example for me today: I had lunch right before this podcast. And I thought I had a healthy lunch. I put some olive oil in a frying pan, didn't overheat it, threw some eggs in, had them. And I thought that was a healthy lunch. And now I listen to you talk Mm -hmm. and uh, I need to rethink that strategy. So it's about this awareness and educating people. Let me give you one little more piece of that is, you know, that in the Mediterranean countries where olives come from, they did not use olive oil for frying traditionally. What they did was they had extra virgin olive oil. It was not treated with drain of window washing acid, bleached, and then overheated. They do it a different way. Extra virgin olive oil, so not damaged by processing. They cooked their foods in water, then they dumped the water, and then they added the oil for flavor enhancement and absorption of nutrients. That's how it was traditionally used, except the industry, the oil industry. Basically, they what they did is, and they were very effective, they replaced water for cooking with oil for cooking. And they said it was more convenient and they bamboozled our mothers and grandmothers into making that change. And now everybody's doing it because they learned it with mother love and they confuse it with mother love. And that's what mom did. And she loved me. And so that's what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. And what I say is, no, you need to separate the mother love and keep that because mother Mm -hmm. love is extraordinary. But you need to change the damaging habit from a health perspective. Ah, wisdom from Udo right there. Wisdom from Udo. And it's so true. And you're absolutely right. What we associate these things with often goes unnoticed, but just again, uh, really increasing awareness in people. As we get close to wrapping up our podcast here, I would love to hear about when your products became mainstream, what that was like for you, knowing that you have literally changed the lives of millions of people. What is that? What is that well, like? Well, first of all, the oil is not mainstream. Okay. So in terms of the job done, my, my goal was 
There should be a bottle of Udo's oil in every fridge. Everybody's already got oil. Switch out the old oil. You know, the body needs an oil change. That's how you get the oil change. Switch out the old oil that's dirty and damaged with fresh oil that's made with health and wine. We're a long ways from having a bottle in every fridge. <laughs> like, I wish. But everybody who, you know, people consistently saw positive results from making that change. And they still do. And that's why it keeps going. Honestly, it doesn't feel better than being alive. That's a funny answer, right? I'm just letting those words hang there for a yeah, minute. It, yeah, it does not feel better than being alive. What does mm -hmm. that mean? Your doing is never important than your being. In fact, if you think about being and doing, we're supposed to be human beings. We've become human doings. We're addicted to doing. We're hoping yeah. that our doing will get us to being. It, it doesn't because oh. it's always out there, right? Yes. And then you, you ask yourself, what well, is being or doing? Is Which one is more important? Mm -hmm. Well, if you think about it, you can be without doing, but you can't do without being. So being is your foundation. When you're in your foundation, it feels extraordinary. It feels divine. It feels amazing. It feels magnificent. It feels awesome. And the job is the job. And there's a certain satisfaction in doing what needs to be done. It is not even as good as it is and as much as I was enthusiastic to do it. And it is not my fulfillment. Fulfillment is fulfillment. And what needs to be done is what needs to be done. These are two separate issues that we always have to deal with. Uh, your words speak straight to my heart and what I believe with my mind as well. And I'm just so grateful to have had you with us today. To the listeners and viewers, I want you to know I'm going to be putting a kajillion links to be able to follow Udo on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, as well as his website, which by the way is theudo.com. I'll put that in the links. And again, let's talk about this free gift. Yeah, there's a second one is udoschoice.com. You oh, udoschoice.com. Yeah, okay. that's, where we, that's where the products are and why we made them and how we made them and how we, yeah. That, that's okay. What, the other site, theudo.com is education and we have some courses on it. Okay, wonderful. Udoschoice.com, your free gift that you're offering, Your Body Needs an Oil Change, the book and the videos. I watched a few of the videos, great information in there. Thank you so much for making that available to the listeners and the viewers. And it's a beautiful gift that, again, I believe will continue to change lives. Did you have any final words you wanted to share today? Yeah. If you look at the background here, mm -hmm. over here is the clutter and over here is the possibility. And we live, and we live between clutter and possibility. The inner is the possibility. The outer is the doing. So there's a being and doing. And what I want to leave people with is we're going through lots of trauma and lots of difficulties and all of that. And we have to deal with it. So here we've got to deal with the clutter. Yeah, every once in a while, I got to replace the, the uh, ginger on my little plate here because I, I like to chew ginger. You know, and I got to rearrange the books or pu pull one out and do some, something with it. But at the same time that we're dealing with our dramas and our traumas and our emergencies and all the things that come up, also inside of us is this place that is completely free of clutter, that cannot be hurt and will never die, that is just as part of our nature, just a little deeper than we tend to go. Remember, both of those exist within you at the same time and get good at learning how to go from one to the other by will because that will make your life a life truly of choice. Oh, thank you so much. I'm not even going to say anything after that. That is what we needed to hear today. Thank you for being our guest. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been my pleasure. 
Thank you for joining us today. If you would like to become an internationally certified Heal Your Life teacher and coach, please visit thetraining.ca. To be a guest on the show and share your story, please visit victoriajohnson.org. Thank you so much for joining us.